Hey guys, what's up? It's your boy Gusnov back at it again with another video. So, I'm going to speed run through this topic. You already know what it is because you read the title. So, there's a there's a report that came out from Morgan Stanley called "The Rise of the She Economy." Essentially, what it says is that there are more women in the workforce now than there have been. Well, and there ever have been within the history of the United States. And the purpose of this report is to give investors a good future forecast of what the future is probably going to look like in the next few decades. What they say is that annually there's a 1.2 increase in the number of single women within the population. And what they predict is by 2030, around 45% of 25 to 44-year-olds will be single. 25, or yeah, 45% of 25 to 44-year-old women will be single. And that essentially means that going forward, many women, if not most, if the trend continues, will not have kids, will not start families, and may very well be alone for the rest of their lives. Now, there are many reasons why you would not want to be childless and single in the latter half of your life. But, well, let's just go quickly through a few of them. One of them is that, well, once you turn 50, you got 30 to 50 years ahead of you. And your body's going to start decaying, and you're going to need someone to take care of you. And if you don't have kids, well, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to have something that, have someone or some group that can take care of you. And if you look at this on a societal level, what that means is that you're going to have billions of dollars being wasted on, well, nursing homes and other elderly support care services and whatnot. And, well, that's, 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 that's not a situation you want to be in. If you know what nursing homes are like you're it would be much better if you had your family taking care of you than some person who's you know making minimum wage doesn't really care about you and is just you know trudging through their 9 to 5 and trying to you know make a living you want to have someone who loves you rather than you know someone who's being forced essentially to care for you the other the other one is most people who are childless at that age most women especially, heavily regret the fact that they did not have kids. And you could think that, you know what, I don't think I want kids. I probably don't want kids. I'm, I'm going to make the decision when I'm 18 years old, when I'm 20 years old, that I'm not going to have kids. You know, and then you blow the next 10 years, 20 years of your life, you know, finding yourself and whatnot. You know, I, I would say that it's pretty hard to make a final decision like that 
with without really knowing what you're gonna what it's gonna be like for you when you turn fifty. Um, but most people who do do that, who do make the decision of not having kids, they end up regretting it. So there's a few reasons. Well, well let's continue on of well of why having kids is bad for the individual, but it's probably gonna be bad for the society because, well. I mean, look at look at East Asian countries. They are experiencing many of these problems right now. I mean, look at Japan, for example. They have a huge elderly population and a small young population. And the more that gap kind of, you know, increases, the more the harder it is to, you know, support that population that is essentially retired and not doing anything. So, number one, on a societal level, decreases efficiency productivity and it also i would say leads to increases in things like you know depression and suicide and we've been seeing that clearly become a trend in the united states at least you know consistently over the last few years you know mental health illnesses depression rates you know suicides are going up and in Japan, where I would say this trend is already playing out in a more full way, you know, Japan has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And I would say that one of the main reasons is because of the, of the, um, you know, the problems that they have in the sexual marketplace, the problems that they have in the fact that there's a, you know, it's very hard to kind of find um, a partner in Japan. Most people there are single and childless, right? So I would say that in order to understand, you know, what's driving the trend of, let me just see how much time we got, six minutes. Okay. In order to understand what's driving the trend of, of, you know, capitalistic feminism, let's call it that. I think we need to understand how this benefits, you know, many members of the ruling class and kind of, you know, this this the system that we have today. Number one, women spend more than men. And one of the best ways within a I guess a monetary with within the framework of monetary policy and Keynesian economics, if you increase the amount of money that people are spending, then you know I guess a Keynesian economics economist, economist would say that, oh, we're increasing economic productivity and GDP by increasing the amount of money that people are spending, right? Which I disagree with because you're not actually creating anything. You're just moving money around more, but whatever. But if women spend more than men, one of the best ways to make sure that women have more money to spend and spend more is to give them jobs and to encourage as many of them as possible to have jobs. And by doing so, women will be spending, you know, a lot more than they would have been if they were, you know, unemployed or raising a family or whatnot. The other benefit to, to I guess, the government, uh, corporate corporations, all that other stuff, is the fact that if you put women into the workforce, you know, 
T equals one before these changes. 50% of men or 50% of the population is working. But now potentially, you know, I maybe 100% of the population of the working population, able-bodied working population can work. You know, so you double effectively the workforce, right? By allowing women to be be a part of it. And by doing so, you double the number of people that can work and you decrease the amount of money that you need to pay each worker, right? Because essentially what what happens is you make it much more competitive to enter the workplace, right? If I'm just, if I'm competing against five guys, it's going to be a lot harder if I'm competing against five guys and five girls than it would, would be if I were just competing against five guys. So what it, what, what it does there is the balance of power shifts from the individual, right? The individual having a choice in where they work and, and, you know, and such goes from the individual to the to the company to the corporation to the state to these larger centralized bodies because they have more choice in who they can be they can they can choose you know they're more selective and in being more selective people lose autonomy freedom and the ability to choose as much right so then they become more dependent on corporate systems and such and essentially I'm not really trying to, you know, push any, I don't think I'm trying to push any ideological point or something like that. I'm just trying to encourage thinking of, okay, given the this shift in principles, what does this mean for the future of our country and the future of the West? Because I don't think we've really thought about how kind of affecting what we are, you know, the principles that we are enacting in society, how that's actually going to change society, because it will. We can't just say, oh, these are good, and let's just do it. I think we need to think about very carefully what we're doing. And if we keep, um, you know, just saying, oh, we can do whatever we, we, we want without worrying about the consequences and repercussions on a mass scale, then at some point in the future... Maybe we'll make a mistake with those principles, and maybe we could have irreparable damage to humanity, to the planet, or to some other, you know, we we could be, this could potentially lead to our demise, what I'm saying. Not this specifically, but this line of not really thinking out what we're doing in the world, and just following an ideology blindly, which is what I'm saying here. We, we should not be dogmatic about any ideology like this. No matter how much we feel like the principles are relevant or whatever, I think you need to question everything and think, hmm, is this actually a good thing? So, what is a potential... What is a risk that we that I think could be... Could exist in the future, given this trend. I think that we have to look to another real-world example, and that is the Middle East. From my understanding, radical Islamic terrorism, one of the core drivers of, of people being attracted to that ideology, 
like one 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 group that that they pull from are disenfranchised men who are single i believe and and if you look at the the the, the people who actually join groups like you know al qaeda isis all this stuff people and I think a lot of Americans have the wrong conception. They think, oh, they're just stupid people. They're just idiots who don't know anything. No. Many of them are actually educated. I think a commonality among many of them are that they don't have a wife. They don't have kids. They're not tethered down. And they are promised that if they if they die as a martyr for their cause, then they will be promised essentially, you know, 72 virgins in heaven, for example. So this ideology seems to me to be a reaction to a to problems within, I think, the sexual market of many of these countries. Because from my understanding, there, polygamy is a big thing in, in many of these countries. And polygamy, by definition, makes it so that not everyone within your population is going to reproduce or have children or have a family right because i don't know it's it's obvious you know if one guy has multiple women as their partners some other guy is not going to be able to marry those women right there's going to be less less women to go around so i think that that's led to a lot of single guys out there and if if you're a single guy and you don't really have hope for finding anybody then I think that a lot of that anger and a lot of that, um, you know, a lot of that energy, instead of going into something productive like a family and creating something, it goes into, you know, an ideology like this. And my point is that in the future of America, potentially, Especially given the fact that there is a huge political divide and the fact that I would also say that Republicans are probably going to start losing every single election going forward, even though they make up around 50% of the population or so. And it's not just Republicans, just people on the right. There's going to be a larger and larger and larger divide. One side is going to have less representation and less political autonomy. You're going to have a rise of single men and women, and the more single men, I would say, the more your society is likely to have violence and engage in violence. And it looks like, it seems to me like it's more likely in that type of, you know, in the cauldron of, you know, in that type of, you know, system it's probably going to be more chaotic and there's probably a higher likelihood of violence and societal instability and chaos for to emerge so i think that potentially we might see major conflicts getting worse at least within america in the coming years to decades and this is due to all the factors that I've mentioned. And from from what I what I see, and then this I think that this is based on all of the studies I've read. You can feel free to 
feel free to give an alternative hypothesis and I'll listen to it, but you need to have this, this needs to be empirically backed because if you're just saying things based off of, you know, a principle you believe that doesn't really matter, you need to have some empirical pragmatic grounding. But anyway, and I'm, I'm, I'm more than welcome to listen to anything you guys have to say, but from the initial conditions that we're creating now, I can see the future could be very chaotic and violent. And I would say that we need to, in order to reverse these trends or in order to make it so that these things are less likely to happen, I think we need to reevaluate what we would consider to be a priori truths or, you know, a priori things that are considered like good in our society because many of the principles that our society holds i would argue could potentially be leading us down a very dark future so i would say we need to think about this and we need to be very careful about what ideologies we peddle because it's very hard to predict what the third and fourth and fifth order effects of, of these things are, especially in a, such a complex system. And if we don't think about that, and if we aren't serious about that, then potential millions of people could probably die as a result. So at the end of the day, all I'm saying is we need to think carefully about what our next steps in society are. Because our words, our thoughts, our actions, what we believe, matter more than probably anything else in the world. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. If you guys have anything to add or say, please let me know. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next video. Check out goosenov.com for full episodes and yeah dm me on goosenov or or email me at quantumsnov at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you want to talk and maybe if you want to join one of these podcasts or shows i don't like the word podcast anyway see you later guys hope you guys enjoyed peace now comes the awkward part of as i walk towards